the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. For all the programming on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, go to simultv.com and in the search engine, Type in X-Zone, and all the programming information is there. My guest this hour is a good friend I've had the pleasure of knowing for nearly 30 years since we started this show. Howard Bloom is his name, and he's been called the Darwin, Einstein, Newton, and Freud of the 21st century by Britain's Channel 4 TV, and the next Stephen Hawking by Gear Magazine. Howard calls his field mass behavior and explains that this is the area of study he includes everything from mass behavior of quarks to the mass behavior of human beings. He is the founder of three international scientific groups. The Group Selection Squad started in 1995, the International Paleopsychology Project in 1997, and the Space Development Steering Committee that was formed in 2007 which has included Buzz Aldrin, Edgar Mitchell, who was the sixth man to set foot on the moon, and uh, decision makers from NASA, the National Science Foundation, and the Air Force. And he's the founder of Mass Communications Volunteer Group that gets across scientific ideas using animation, the Big Bang Tango Media Lab that was started in 2001. I could go on for hours about Howard, but let's bring him on. Howard, welcome back to the Exxon, my friend. Always a great pleasure having you with us. Rob, it is so good to see you. As you said, we've been talking for about 25 years or yep. something of the sort. And uh, I haven't talked to you in a year, and it's a pleasure to see you again. Howard, um, you are so busy. My gosh, uh, you've got a couple of movies that are being done about your life. Your seventh book is coming out in April. Where do you find time? And plus, you do over a 1,000 push-ups a day. Well, Rob, if I'm not doing 15 projects, and I literally mean 15 projects uh-huh. simultaneously, I get bored and fall asleep. So um, I I make the time. I mean, work is my life, mm-hmm. and work is my life, and the woman I love is my life. And so uh, every waking second, I am crammed with as much work as I can possibly handle. And it's great. It's glorious. It's magnificent. It's exuberant. Now, before going on air, you and I were talking about uh, when you were a child. You used to come to Crystal Beach, Ontario, where we now live. Exactly. So when I was four years old, my parents rented a little shack, um, all of whose furniture was left over from the 1930s, including the Victrola, (laughs) which meant uh, nothing operated with electricity except the light bulbs. 
and uh, you wound up the Victrola, mm -hmm. and you the tinny little needle played through a great big huge megaphone like speaker. It was uh, it was a trip into the past. Well, I, um, I must tell you that we do now have electricity here at Crystal Beach. We oh, used, good. We, we even have <laughs> That's a we big even step have forward. fiber optic internet, and uh, now I know wherever we gone we've seen hb was here so now i know who hb was <laughs> well that must be some other <laughs> hb god knows who it was but all right but so you're right a lot is happening so good for you my friend uh, tell us about the the two movies that are being made about your life i'm excited to well see uh, one of the films is called the grand unified theory of howard bloom it's a 66 minute film mm -hmm. it was made by charlie hoxie who has won three um emmys in the past. Um, it had its debut at the Doc NYC Film Festival, a high prestige film festival, at a theater in Manhattan, a 244-seat theater. I went to the theater expecting 40 people, because I don't think my audience is that large. And when I was getting in the vicinity of the address of the theater, we saw a theater marquee, and we saw people lined up four abreast and going all the way around the corner. Wow. And I figured, this is the wrong place. They're showing a Star Wars movie. And when we got there, that was the, those were the people waiting to see my movie. Wow. Not only were they, was the place, it was totally packed. It was totally sold out. They were turning people away at the box office. And at the end of the film, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen with an audience. You know I've been in audiences for Michael Jackson and Prince and Bob Marley and all kinds yeah. of people. But this was unlike anything I'd ever seen. The audience had a kind of collective energy. Their faces were beaming. Their, their faces were cracked in half by smiles that went from one ear to the other. And all of them were beaming with this collective energy, exuberance, um, joy, inspiration. I'm not quite sure what. It was an astonishing experience. Then we had our West Coast premiere at the, um, the Santa Barbara International Film Festival mm -hmm. about two weeks ago. And again, the audience said the place was packed. Um, and the audience seemed to be exhilarated wow. and inspired. Well, so this movie is off to a good start on the festival circuit. The second film is called My Dinner with Howard, mm -hmm. and it's being made by Buckminster Fuller's um, film biographer, Noel B. Murphy, uh, and it's supposed to come out in April, which is when my seventh book comes out. And the seventh book is Einstein, Michael Jackson, and Me, A Search for Soul in the Power Pits of Rock and Roll. And you can pre-order it on Amazon if it sounds of interest to you. But when I got out, you know that my background is in science. And I yes. started in microbiology and theoretical physics at the age of 10. And then I went off on a strange voyage of the Beagle and for 17 years was involved with the rock and roll business and founded the biggest PR firm in the music industry. And worked with Michael Jackson, Prince, Bob Marley, Bette Midler, ACDC, Aerosmith, Kiss, Queen, Run DMC, Billy Joel, Billy Idol, Paul Simon, Peter Gabriel... David Byrne, people like that. And then I left and went back to my science. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've been, I hate to use this word, but if you've been a legend in the music business, you have to work very hard to reestablish your scientific credentials. So I focused on that, and I've now been published or have given lectures at scholarly conferences in 12 different scientific fields. So now I finally felt free to write my music business memoir. And that's what Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me, A Search for Soul in the Power Pits of Rock and Roll is. Congratulations, old friend. You deserve all the accolades you're getting. Rob, <laughs> you're such a gift and a blessing. It's amazing. Um, 
These are these are strange times, Howard. Um, I, I have to ask you because I know that amongst you know, besides having your fingers on the pulse of the scientific community, you also have your your fingers on the pulse of the of the um, political scene. And, and what is your take on uh, what's going on with the New Hampshire primary and what's going on with the you know with the Democratic Party? In, Turned in out general? to be a big. It just has turned out to be a huge surprise. Yeah. Um, the biggest, or a whole set of huge surprises. The biggest surprise is Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar was polling at 6% mm-hmm. in New Hampshire, and yet she's gotten, so far as the votes have been counted tonight, 20% of the vote. That's as much as Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren combined. And Pete Buttigieg has come in number two, very close, within less than two points yeah. of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has dominated. Um, but the the strange thing, if you look at all the numbers, is mm-hmm. this. There's a moderate side of the Democratic Party, and there is a, a radical side of the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the radical side of the Democratic Party. Um, Pete Buttigieg, um, uh, Joe Biden... Uh, Amy Klobuchar, they are all the moderate side of the Democratic Party. Well, the moderates have gotten almost twice as many votes as the radicals. So Donald Trump, who says the entire Democratic Party has lost its mind and it's a bunch of radicals who are going to destroy the country, Mm -hmm. he's wrong because twice as many Democrats are hungering, ravenous for moderation for moderates. Let, let me ask you, why, why do you think Joe Biden is doing so poorly? You know, I, I heard a commentator say that he, uh, that that his numbers are the worst for any vice president that has run for the Democratic leadership. Well, you have to watch him, and then you'll understand. He's lost it. Yeah. I mean, he's lost his ability to command a crowd. He's lost his self-confidence. Um, he has lost his energy. While everybody else, including Amy Klobuchar, was out going to every single diner they could possibly find um, today, earlier in the day and yesterday, Joe Biden was sulking in a hotel room. Apparently, he was doing almost nothing. That is not a way to demonstrate that you really want this job. You That's have right. to want this job so badly that you're willing to walk over burning coals um, to get it. When do you think he's going to drop out? Uh, he could drop out within the next two weeks because his showing is terrible and he is highly unconvincing. Um, the first thing he did in the Democratic debate in New Hampshire. All right, hold on. We've got, to take, we've got to take our break. Please stand by, Howard. Okay. It's always great talking to you. Exxon Nation, the one and only Howard Bloom is our very special guest this hour. HowardBloom.net is the website. Check it out. All his books are available on Amazon.com and in bookstores everywhere. Once again, HowardBloom.net. And we'll both be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Howard Bloom is my guest, www.howardbloom.net. And I'm sorry I cut you off there, Howard. You know, the brakes are hard. But let's get back to what's happening within the political arena. Uh, do you think that, you know, Biden, I, I did watch him and I couldn't understand what he was doing there. Was this a, a, an attempt to by the, the Democrats to bring in some of the old uh, guard? Um, it's an attempt to ride on the coattails of Barack Obama. Uh, Barack Obama is still regarded in polls mm-hmm. as one of the most highly rated presidents in American history. Right. Um, and uh, Donald Trump <laughs> must be sending Donald Trump spinning in his Lincoln bedroom. But um, if you saw the New Hampshire debate, which was a week ago. No, I didn't. Um, well, the, the reporters... One of the first people they ask a question of is mm-hmm. Joe Biden. And instead of answering the question, Joe Biden gives a rambling, low-energy apology out of nowhere. Now, it's not that he says, I apologize for this and I apologize for that. The apology is not in his language. It's in the sound of his voice. It's in his physical demeanor. It's in his body language. And it has nothing to do with the question. So he proves right from the first two minutes in which he's speaking that he's lost it. He's lost his edge. He's lost his energy. He's lost his focus. And so that attempt to ride on the coattails of Barack Obama's presidency is simply not going to work. Um, I, but, under, I but, understand that Yang and the, and the governor of Colorado fell out of the race today. Uh, two people fell yeah. out of the race today. Andrew Yang. Now... I was on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is the highest grossing podcast. He makes $5 million a year Mm -hmm. from his podcast, which gives you some idea of the size of his audience. And the first thing he asked me, and this was a year ago, was, what do you think of Andrew Yang? Well, at that point, I'd never heard of Andrew Yang. Most people hadn't. But it was unfortunate that he had to drop out of the race. But frankly, we had too many candidates, and Democrats were lost in a sea of confusion because of the number of candidates. So we lost Michael Bennett who also is a very promising candidate um, for the future, not necessarily for the presidency, but mm-hmm. definitely for the national government. And so we are now down, this has been primarily narrowed down to five candidates, to Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and Joe Biden. Nobody else has come near them. Yeah. And the first tier, that is Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar, they're all in the 20% territory or above. Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden are in the less than 10% category. Amy Klobuchar, who was an, almost a nobody mm-hmm. three days ago, um, had got more votes than Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden combined. Wow. And again, the most important message of this is the Democrats' hunger for moderation. They hunger for an improvement of the status quo, not a destruction of the status quo, in the hope of some brand new paradise. Let me ask you, Howard, in your opinion, why is Bernie Sanders doing so well? Because kids, um, people 16 years old to 29 years old, mm-hmm. um, are uh, think highly of socialism these days, and they do not think highly of capitalism. And that's because we have had 100 years of... American critics tearing capitalism apart, critiquing it from every angle, and not seeing something basic that you and I probably have. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. 
In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. ...discussed in the past. The current American system is dependent not on capitalism by itself. It's dependent on three elements. This is all in my book, The Genius of the Easter Radical Revision of Capitalism. It's dependent on government, that mm-hmm. is, a certain socialist element, building the roads, creating the Internet, things of that sort. Um, it is dependent on private industry going all out and plowing into new territories inventively. And it's dependent on the protest industry, which has been around as long as the Industrial Revolution. It started with the anti-slavery movement in 1760. Those three elements have to be in balance to make this country work. But the anti-capitalists in our academia, um, in our public intellectual life, have been telling us that capitalism is the worst uh, nightmare in the history of mankind, that it has done more violence and more harm than any other system in the history of mankind, and let's look at the facts. Under this system, balancing government, private industry, and the protest industry, we have doubled the human lifespan since 1850. Doubled it. Actually, more than doubled it. You have you are living 40 years longer than your great-great-grandparents lived. We have increased the salary of the poorest paid worker to the point where the poorest paid worker today earns what an entire tenement full of the poorest paid workers earned in 1850. Um, We have increased the average height by four inches. We have increased the average IQ by 35 points. You know, we've heard a lot of criticism about how the Internet Mm -hmm. and and social media are dumbing down kids. Sorry, you take an average group of 100 kids off the street, you give them a Stanford Binet IQ test from 1916, and they will register as marginal geniuses with an average IQ of 135 points. And we've increased peace in the world by a factor of 10. If you had either been living in 1650 before the Industrial Revolution, or you had been living in one of those indigenous societies that theoretically lives at peace and harmony with its with nature and its neighbors, yes. your odds in one of those societies of dying a violent death at the hands of a fellow human being were 10 times what they are today. We've increased peace by a factor of 10. All of that is because of the Western system and that balance between what you could call socialism, what you could call capitalism, and the protesting. By the way, we just got news from the uh, word from the newsroom that Bernie Sanders has been uh, declared the winner for tonight. Well, it's, uh, at this point, he's got 26% yeah. of the vote. His nearest competitor is Pete Buttigieg, who has uh, 1.6% less, 24.4% of the vote. Amy Klobuchar is hanging in at 19.8%, and Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden are still combined. Do, do, you, Not, think, do you think that Warren's going to make it to the end? 
She has persistence. Yes, she does. She has fight. (laughs) She is quick on her tongue. She is really quick on her tongue. And she is quick on her wits. So I think she's going to hang in. Um, I think you you know that in life you experience a a drubbing periodically. Mm -hmm. Um, You're beaten down and you have to get back up again. Nine times down, ten times up is the Japanese saying. And, I, yes, I believe Elizabeth Warren's going to be with us for at least another three to four months. Um, all right, so we, what do you think the, the draw is to Pete Buttigieg? That's a hard thing for me to say. Mm. First of all, he has this ruddy complexion that makes him look like a fresh-faced youth, and that helps. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, in the, in the terminology of Donald Trump, it makes him look like Alfred E. Newman. Not that most people remember who Alfred E. Newman is. You do, I do, Donald Trump does, and that's about it. Um, that was cute, Howard. So, at, but, but he is this fresh-faced kid. Mm-hmm. He has his Oxford background. He has been a military veteran. He speaks very well, but if you listen very carefully, he doesn't say a thing. Not anything. And that is disturbing to me. So it's his freshness and his moderation. The fact that he does not seem like a bomb-throwing radical that has gotten him where he is. You know, but Joe Biden said, you know, uh, it was kind of uh, shooting darts at, at, at Mayor Pete because he said he was the mayor of a, of a city of about 100,000 people. There's a big difference between being a mayor and being a president. There is a huge difference yeah. between being a mayor and being a president. But there's also, frankly, a huge difference between being a vice president mm-hmm. and a president. The two jobs are radically different. You can take, I mean, the, there's a phrase that Donald Trump, who you know I loathe, but you feel more strongly about positively than I do, oh, yeah. uh, calls, calls him Sleepy Joe. Yeah. And, and in a sense, that is an accurate characterization of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. So you can be a low-energy guy in the vice presidency. Right. But you can't afford to be a low-energy guy in the presidency because there's incoming all the time. You have to be alert and aware every single second. So Joe Biden is no more qualified than Pete Buttigieg, and it all has, has to do with something else. Remember that Barack Obama had no experience. He'd been a state senator. You can also sleepwalk through the job of a state senator, but he was smart. And yes, he, he was. came from Harvard, so he had access yeah. to a lot of very bright people. And no, he there... knew how to rely on very bright people. No toys about it. Barack Obama was a very smart man. Or still is a very smart man. Yeah. But he certainly was a very smart and good president. No toys about that, my friend. But I want to tell you something very strange. Okay. Um, when Donald Trump gave his State of the Union speech, you yeah. know I just loathe and despise him for his utter dishonesty, twelling, telling 12 lies a day, when my basic principles of life are the truth at any price, including the price of your life, and look at things right under your nose. All right, what we're, going, what we're going to do here, what we're going to do here, Howard, so Howard, Howard, lies, Howard, 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 yep. Howard, I've got to take my break, my friend. Okay. When we come back, let's talk about how much you love, I mean loathe. State of the Union speech, <laughs> okay, because I want to tell it. you something positive about Donald Trump. Oh, my heart, my heart, my dear heart. <laughs> we'll be right back. Howard, always great talking to you, buddy. Exo Nation, the one and only Howard Bloom is my guest for this hour. www.howardbloom.net. And when we come back, 
Hmm. Something positive being said about President Trump by Howard Bloom. I can't wait. I really can't. <laughs> this is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in uh, Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Howard and I return after this message. Don't go away. Bloom is our guest, www.howardbloom.net. All right, Howard, I can't wait to hear something positive from your lips to God's ears Yes, about uh, the State of the Union about Donald, President about Trump. Donald Trump and his State of the Union. First of all, he showed remarkable restraint. You know that was what was boiling in his mind yep. when he gave that State of the Union speech was the impeachment um, and how it was a hoax and a scam. Yeah. Uh, but he kept his mouth shut about that. And he stuck to reading off the teleprompter. But the surprise came at the end of the speech. The end of the speech was his Reagan morning in America moment. And he said that America is a great country, that America has made great contributions to the world, and that its greatest contributions are ahead of it. Now, that is something that needs to be said, because we were talking a few minutes ago about mm -hmm. why kids, people 12, 18 to 29, are voting for um, Bernie Sanders. Yes, they're voting for Bernie Sanders because they fed this. They've been fed this negative view of America and the contribution of American civilization, which is the most violent civilization they are being told in the history of mankind, which is absolutely not true. Um, and Donald Trump gave an alternative message, a positive message, a hopeful message, and that is a message that we in the intellectual elite, of which I'm a sort of fringe member. That's a, a message we need to understand. We need to start preaching it to kids so they don't think it's the end of the world and they realize that we have built things over the course of the last 220 years, important things, and that unless the next generation stands on the shoulders of those things and builds even higher, then we will be doomed. We'll be doomed because people have been poisoned by negativity. What, did you, what do you think about the new Space Force? Uh, the new Space Force is a necessary idea because Russia's already got one. Mm -hmm. China's already got one. China has its uh, missile force, and its missile force has a bunch of missiles that are aimed at the sky specifically to take down America's satellites in case of war. And without America's satellites, our military is blind. And so are you and I. We wouldn't have GPS. We wouldn't have all of the services that we get on our cell phones. Right. And the Chinese, so, so we're late in this game of a space force. Now, unfortunately, the man who wants to put a space force in operation is practically deaf, dumb, and blind. His name is Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> he, he cannot find the truth. If you dangle it, if you put it on a bandage around his eyes, he couldn't find it. So tell me, um, what do you really think about the president? Well, I hate to, you know, I'd rather reserve my opinion and be neutral. No, I'm not. Howard, I'm kidding, I love you, my friend. I love you. You know that. <laughs> um, 
speaking about space force, you know, I can understand. I can understand the significance of it, and I agree. It is a little too late, but better late than never. The the gun footage camera of the Nimitz event, what they call a Tic Tac. What's your opinion of what that was? What is that? What is it? Tell me about it. All right, that, this is uh, this is something that the that uh, let me see. A couple of years ago, the U.S. Navy was doing an exercise uh, with the Nimitz Battle Group off the coast of California, and the uh, radar picked up something strange. Sent two jet interceptors up there. By the way, the only they weren't armed; they only had gun uh, gun film cameras. And what they claimed they saw was something that was a shape of a tic tac that maneuvered and. Uh, did aeronautic maneuvers that could not be of this world or that the technology did not exist. Now, my take on it was experimental aircraft. And yet you've got the UFO community and, um, and, and of course, others within the... um, within the media that are saying it's a cover-up, that the extraterrestrials are real, the aliens are here. The New York Times did a big expose on it. The uh, the video footage was all over the news. And, the, you know, like, why, do, why does everything have to be extraterrestrial when people can't understand what they're seeing? You know, I, I, I know for a fact that... Well, that's a good question. There is a lot of things out there that have been developed and are kept secret because of national security. So what's your take? Yep. Well, there is there is a real conspiracy in this area, and we should be paying serious attention to it. And it goes back to the Space Force and space. Mm-hmm. Um, America has not been able to get an American into space on an American vehicle since 2011 when we retired the space shuttle. That's outrageous. We're the country that led the world in space. Do you know how we get our astronauts up to the International Space Station? We send them on Soyuz rockets, uh, and we pay $83 million a seat for that privilege. And the problem is that there is something I call the SMIC, the Space Military Industrial Complex. It's primarily three companies, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, and Lockheed Martin. And there are a bunch of other little satellite Mm -hmm. companies, Rocketdyne, and a bunch of companies like that. They have a boondog it's called, called the Space Space Community as a Senate launch system because it was actually designed by Senator Richard Shelby. It was not designed by a rocket scientist. Um, we have wasted $3 billion a year on this bogus rocket, this Franken rocket, um, for the last 10 years. And the result is nothing. The rocket has never flown. Meanwhile, Elon Musk started when I first met him and him and took anything. By now he's had 70, 70 rockets that have have landed on Earth. Um, no NASA rocket can do and the space launch system will not be able to do. The space launch system is a siphon. It is carrying money from the government treasury to the bottom line of primarily Boeing at this point. And Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman are what Buzz Aldrin in his conversations with me calls the Darth Vaders of space. They are forcing us to create this non-existent rocket, this Franken rocket, when they could be spending a fraction of that money 
you know, for for the the if the SLS, the space launches, right, everything's off the ground. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It will cost $2 billion to launch. For that money, you can buy 22 launches of the Falcon Heavy rocket from Elon Musk. So why and don't with they? those 22 launches, you can have a complete moon mm-hmm. program that builds a village on the moon and a complete Mars program that builds a village on Mars. So why so, don't they, Howard? Yeah. Why don't they? Because this, the space military industrial complex, the mm. SMIC, has a stranglehold on the American government. It has a stranglehold on the military, and it, has a str- it, it play, places plants for any of its projects in 50 states so that if it's ever threatened, it can go to the senators and congressmen in those states and say, this problem that we're up against is threatening jobs in your state. And they can get universal approval. It is a scam. It is a con. It is a genuine conspiracy. And the Chinese are steadily advancing in their space program. They have landed landers on the moon Mm -hmm. that have basically made claims to territory the way that the Chinese have laid claims to territory in the South China Sea and now own the South China Sea after a series of these claims. The Chinese have plans to own solar power harvested in space and sent to Earth, which can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% and eliminate all fossil fuel use for energy production. They will own that industry, according to their plan, in 2035. They will colonize the moon, they will colonize the solar system, and they are talking about colonizing the entire universe. And we are shooting ourselves in the foot and destroying our own space program because of the SMIC. Well, the SMIC has to be stopped. I'm sorry. This cannot continue. How do you stop it, my friend? Well, I wrote an article about this for Quartz Magazine. I'm now a Quartz Magazine pro, a contributor, basically. And I tried to get further exposure for it from a a dozen key people who cover space issues, from Time Magazine um, and Politico, all the way across the board. And no one would touch it. Wow. No one would touch it. So in my case, I'm I'm just going to have to continue soldiering on mm-hmm. with this issue. And people call, you know, whenever you're on to an important story, something that the world doesn't know but should, you get calls from friends. And they tell you, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to stop promoting this story. You can get killed. Well, when somebody tells you, Rob, you can get killed for promoting a story, that means you have to promote that exactly. story. Because yeah, nobody exactly. else is going to have the guts to do it. Well, that's one thing about you, my friend. You are one of the most gutsiest persons that I have ever met. Well, Rob, that's a huge uh, compliment. I deeply appreciate it. All right, Howard, uh, you and I are going to have to take our final break for this hour. Why don't we come back, Howard? I'd like to talk to you, speaking about China, about the coronavirus. Is this? Ah. Aha. Yes. I have my suspicions that there's more to this virus than meets the microscopic eye. Howard, yeah, a lot of people agree with you. Howard Bloom is my very special guest, Exonation, for all of the Howard's great books that he's written over the years. 
including the Lucifer Principle, a scientific expedition into the forces of history. Uh, let me see. Global Brain, the evolution of mass mind from the Big Bang to the 21st century. The Genius of the Beast, a radical revision of capitalism. The God Problem, how godless cosmos creates, and many more. Visit his website at www.howardbloom.net. And like I said, we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Howard Bloom is my guest, www.howardbloom.net. First of all, Howard, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight and uh, sharing your perspective with us. And uh, congratulations on the two films and the new book that is coming out. And, and let's name that book again. It's Einstein, Michael Jackson, and Me, A Search for Soul in the Power Pits of Rock and Roll, available for pre-order on Amazon.com. And Howard has a new uh, fitness video coming out entitled how to do over a thousand push-ups a day all right Howard, yes, let, let, right. Let, let's talk you know speaking about the chinese the coronavirus is okay this here's the deal a, okay here's the deal people think that uh, yesterday i got a question saying who did it who created the coronavirus and sent it out into the public mm -hmm. was it the cia or the chinese well the other popular um uh, conspiracy theory it's the jews and as a jew I can tell you, we didn't do it. Well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. The Jews? Who? who what? 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 That's, that's out that's there. That's another popular one I ran across really? a few days ago. Really? Um, yes, it's out there. So, but the deal is this, and and you can read about this in my second book, Global Brain: The Evolution of Mass Mind from the Big Bang to the Twenty First Century, because it goes in depth into one of the biggest battles of wits that this planet has ever seen. And that is a battle of wits between microbes and human beings. Microbes, like humans, do research and development. Microbes, like humans, humans are bizarrely, astonishingly inventive. And microbes, like humans, once they have established an invention, are able to pass that invention around and upgrade the whole microbial world with their inventions. Periodically, coming out of China in particular, we have viruses that begin in animals. What they do is, remember the avian flu? Yes. Or the many flu, avian yeah. flus, actually. Well, they're called avian flus because they're migratory birds, mm -hmm. waterfowl, ducks and geese, that travel thousands of miles, six to 8,000 miles every year. And viruses use them as airliners. And the viruses travel in their guts when the birds land in a pond. It's a pond of a farmer. And Chinese farming is extremely intensive. Um, the farmer uses everything, even old used sandals he uses to, to um, fertilize his gardens. And so the birds defecate in mm -hmm. the pond right. and, and depositing some of the viruses thousands of miles from where the viruses got their start. The farmer periodically dredges the bottom of the pond and feeds what he gets out of the pond 
to his pigs and his dogs. Some viruses are able to jump via the pond and via the, the scum on the bottom of the pond from the waterfowl in to pigs. Pigs are very similar to human beings. If you're a virus, once you've got the knack of making it in a pig, of infecting a pig, you can adapt to humans fairly easily. So all of these um, animal-based viruses get started in China. We think that the new coronavirus came from bats, but never underestimate the inventive powers of viruses. Viruses are much better at conspiring and coming up with plots against humans than humans are, believe it or not. So I have no suspicion whatsoever that any human was responsible for this virus because this virus is much too clever for human beings to have conceived. Hmm. But there's another, there's another very important fact about this virus. Um, the rate of death of the uh, SARS virus was nine out of uh, every hundred infections. Nine percent of people who got the virus died. The rate of death of this virus, the coronavirus, is 2%. So this virus is far less lethal than previous viruses that we've encountered. It is very good at getting around. It's very good at infecting people. The number of cases in China are up to 44,000 uh, cases, and the number of deaths are over 100 at this point. But that's significant. The number of deaths when you have 44,000 cases of infection being only 100 um, is somewhat comparable to the flu. And remember, in the United States of America alone, 62,000 people die of the flu every year. We should be more concerned about the flu at the moment than the coronavirus, unless the coronavirus mutates into some new, increasingly deadly form. Wow. But, you know, does, does the filth and squalor in China have anything to do with the manifestation of these these um, these viruses as well. I strongly suspect that it's not filth and squalor because it's it's this animal transmission mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Now, bats do not get fed uh, dredgings from the bottoms of ponds. True. Um, in China, um, God knows what they've been eating. It probably isn't uh, human uh, garbage. Um, they're carrying on a life. Bats are fairly fastidious creatures. So this is just um, a cycle. Yeah, it, this is a, a normal pattern because we've been up against, look, us animals have been around for approximately 650 million years. Mm -hmm. And for those entire six and, and microbes, bacteria, which live in huge, very highly organized data sharing cities, um, they live in communities of seven trillion, which is more than all the humans who have ever lived. And that's just one bacterial colony. Um, bacteria have been doing what they're doing for three and a half billion years. We've only been doing what we've been doing as, as animals for 550 to 600 million years. And we're in a race. They're always out to see how they can take advantage of us. Of course, we're in a race to take advantage of them. Think of making cheese. Mm -hmm. uh, we use bacteria for yes, that. We do, yeah. Think of making bread. We Yogurt. use yeast for that, yeah. another microorganism. Yeah. Think of making beer. We use microorganisms for that. So most of the time we have a synergistic relationship, the bacteria that live in your gut. I mean, for every one cell of you, there are 100 cells of bacteria living inside of you. They, you can't digest the food that you eat, Rob. These bacteria digest it for you. Right. And then they excrete what they can't use. And guess what they can't use is sugar, which mm -hmm. is glucose. 
which is the ultimate fuel for the human body. So without our bacteria, we wouldn't be alive today. There are good bacteria and bad bacteria, just like there are good politicians and bad politicians. And, and I'll leave you to guess who I think are the good politicians and who I think are the bad politicians right now. Uh, no, I won't go there. <laughs> so what's next for you, Howard? You've got uh, the two movies. You've got the new book. Uh... Well, uh, basically, I've got these are the things I have to concentrate on for the next three to four months. Mm -hmm. And then there are two other books that I would like to write. Um, one is called Everything You Know About Nature is Wrong, The Case of the Sexual Cosmos. And it's a totally different vision of nature than the one that's being fed to school kids, making them think that the world is about to end at any minute. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the other book is The Grand Unified Theory of Everything in the Universe, including sex, violence, and the human soul. And once I've come out of the process of establishing um, Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me, A Search for Soul in the Power Pits of Rock and Roll, and the two films, then I get to pick one of those two projects. If you were a reader, which would you rather read? Everything You Know About Nature is Wrong, The Case of the Sexual Cosmos, or The Grand Unified Theory of Everything in the Universe, including Sex, Violence, and the Human Soul? I'd rather read The Grand, the, the grand uh, Theory on the Unified. Yeah, I, I think there's a certain yeah. obligation of me to write that before I croak, so that people understand how my Howard, body Howard, Howard, together. Don't, don't talk like that, my friend. You've got way too much work to do. I'm 76 years old. I feel like I'm 56 or 26 or 19. But uh, so, you know, the odds are increasing uh, for the Grim Reaper. But I'm going to hold him off for all he or she is worth. All right. Let our listeners know how they can buy your books and where they can learn more about you and how they can see your films. Well, it's HowardBloom.net. Um, I've got a uh, web designer working on putting up a page now about Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me, a search for soul in the power pits of rock and roll. I've got him working on putting up a page about each of the two films. Uh, when he does that, we will have the trailer mm -hmm. for the Grand Unified Theory of Howard Bloom. But go to Amazon.com, look for Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me, and pre-order it if that's the book that pleases you. If not, I'd recommend going to... Uh, my first book, The Lucifer Principle, A Scientific Expedition into the Forces of History, because it reads like it was, read, like it was written today. It, for example, it's got a whole chapter on the problem of a nuclear Iran. Ever heard of the problem of a nuclear Iran? No. Yeah, it was in the news just last <laughs> week, or two weeks ago, before the primaries drowned it yes. out. What do you think is going to happen there? Well, I don't think we're going to get a regime change there. I think that the uh, Islamic is, uh, Revolution it doesn't call itself the, the Islamic Republic of Iran. It simply calls itself the Islamic Revolutionary Republic because its aspiration is to go global. And its aspiration is for a... And this sounds crazy, Rob, but it's in the founding document, the Constitution of Iran. The ultimate aim is to have a jihad that covers the world and brings Islam violently to the entire world. That is not a nice premise on which to base a nation. But that nation, I think, is going to be around for a long time to come. Howard, as always, time goes by so fast when you're with me, my friend. Take care of yourself, Howard. Uh, congratulations on all you do. And if you go to South Africa, enjoy yourself and have a safe trip back and forth. Thanks, and enjoy Crystal Beach. It's a wonderful place. All right, my friend. Take care of yourself. And Nation, if you'd like to find out more about the one and only Howard Bloom, 
visit www.howardbloom.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs> 